Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Streaming Water Podcast. I'm your host, Blair Corning, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things Colorado water and wastewater. This is episode 11 today. We are 11 episodes into this, and we've got a, a good episode for you today. We have Laura Wing, uh, Water Resources Administrator with the City of Thornton here today to talk to us about water conservation and, and the importance of, of saving water and how cities are going about doing that. So welcome to the show, Laura. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Blair. You bet. Let's get started with kind of an introduction. I know you're the water resources administrator, but can you tell us a little little about how you got there and what you do as, as uh, part of those duties for the city of Thornton? Well, my career started with a degree in biochemistry from the University of Vermont. I'm from Vermont originally, and uh, I got uh, while I was in college, I got really interested in the water fields and uh, water quality specifically. So started kind of gearing my studies towards that and then moved to Colorado kind of to get some more skiing in, less ice skiing and more powder skiing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and my dad was out here. So I worked at Copper Mountain and then um, got a job at an environmental consulting firm doing some water toxicity tests and then I worked at a contract lab and then I did research for water and wastewater process efficiency in uh, at the city of Boulder actually and then uh, moved to Thornton and worked in water quality for the city of Thornton and a few years later, then I finally ended up where I am now in water resources. So, uh, and started managing their water conservation programs in about 2003. Nice. So, that was fun. Did the, uh, so was the skiing a lot better in Colorado, you said, than Vermont? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I mean, Vermont can have some powder days, but it usually, you know, sometimes it rains on top of the snow oh. or <laughs> makes it kind of icy. So yeah. a lot of good skiers come out of Vermont, but uh, because they're used to skiing on scary ice, oh. but, uh, but coming out, you know, getting the powder skiing in Colorado, you can't beat it. Yeah. Well, what about, uh, you mentioned skiing. Do you have... Uh... You have other hobbies that you do when you're not at work. What do you What do you like to spend your time doing? Uh, yeah, I'm mountain biking in the summer and horseback riding. I, I have a couple horses, so they're kind of a time-consuming hobby. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, hiking, camping, that kind of stuff. All the Colorado stuff. Yeah, all the Colorado stuff. Cool. All right, well, let's get to the uh, the interesting question here. Laura, what is the most ridiculous thing you have ever bought? Well, I kind of have a hard time answering that question because I'm, I'm pretty uh, practical and, <laughs> and don't spend, I'm kind of thrifty. But mm -hmm. uh, one, one crazy thing that I did that has to do with my horseback riding hobby is uh, bought a horse in Kansas without without um, knowing him. I just brought the trailer, drove the trailer to Hayes, Kansas, at, which you never do when you're buying a horse because, you know, you got to look like you're, you're unsure that you're going to buy it. Is that <laughs> so right? That's to, how you do it? 
<laughs> yeah, so um, brought the brought the trailer, and so it was pretty obvious that we were gonna pick them up. And um, I couldn't even ride test ride them because I had foot surgery. So my husband rode him for me and uh, said he was pretty good. So we took him home, and it's worked out. We still have him seven years later. So well, good. That's uh. <laughs> That sounds kind of risky. It could have been like a, a zebra that the guy spray painted or something. Try to pack right. them off. <laughs> Once you pull up with that trailer, I guess you're they know you're committed then. All right. Yeah. We didn't want to make two trips to Hayes, yeah. Kansas. So yeah. good thinking. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I was talking with uh with a friend the other day, and this is so mine, uh, I haven't bought this yet, but I'm always on the lookout for one of those. Uh, did you ever see Dukes of Hazzard when Boss Hog had that big vibrating fat strap that he would put on to shake his uh, shake his belly while he was eating a turkey leg? <laughs> yeah, I think I remember I, that. Yeah, I want to find one of those. I've been looking at garage sales, but I can't. Uh, I haven't <laughs> tracked one down yet. I just want to have one in my living room. <laughs> that would be a conversation piece. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. All right. Well, let's get down to serious, uh, serious water business here, Laura. We wanted to focus kind of on conservation today and and why uh, conservation is important. So, can you can you tell us why conservation is important to the city of Thornton and and to Colorado in general? Well, yeah. I mean, the city of Thornton has been invested for a long time, decades, in water efficiency and water conservation because we know it's it's a really we look at it as a source of supply that is very cost effective so it's water we don't have to go out and purchase if we can uh, improve the efficiency of water use of each homeowner and and the city properties itself you know themselves and new development then that's water we don't have to go find somewhere else and pay for so it just is a good business model. Basically, efficiency in general is a good business model, as you know. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it's an interesting uh, way to frame it. I, I, it's it is a cheap source of supply, and water is getting more scarce, harder to come by, more expensive in the whole state. And to look at the conservation as a a supply is kind of a it's an interesting way to frame it. I mean, usually I think a lot of people think conservation you do it out of the the goodness of your heart because it's the right thing to do for the environment and to save water but actually thinking of it as a supply is is interesting uh what type of incentives or resources how do you get people to conserve in thornton and i know you, you have you know hopefully we'll get into some of these programs that thornton has i know you guys are in my eyes the premier uh premier ones at, at doing this which is why i wanted to have you on the show i know you guys got a lot going on but what incentives or resources do you make available to allow people to save water, Laura? Well, I'll start with the indoor incentives and resources. And that's, um, you know, we've been doing toilet rebates for a long time. Uh, we've, you know, toilet technology has improved over the years. So uh, now they're 1.28 gallon per flush. And we're still incentivizing that just because uh, you know it's kind of a pain to replace your toilet so <laughs> yeah. getting a little bit of an in incentive to to make that shift as <laughs> as you might say yeah um, 
what are those old ones 30 40 years ago how, how much water did they flush do you know well i mean they they say they were up to five gallons of flush you know which is and now they're 1.28 yeah. and even even less than that actually now water sense toilets um any toilet sold in Colorado has to be 1.28 gallon per flush. But like I say, we're still offering a, a kind of a incentive to get people to want to change out their toilets. Yeah. I remember as a kid, even thinking when I flush, like this is before I was in the water game at all and thinking, wow, that's a lot of water to flush some pee down, you know, it was just <laughs> five gallons of water. So I'm glad they've got that down to 1.2. That's good. Yeah. We, we also do indoor like or home water consultations to help people find leaks or if they have a high water use issue. Um, we partner with Resource Central, which is a nonprofit out of Boulder, Colorado, and they, they offer a lot of turnkey programs, and we've, we've taken advantage of that since we have a small staff. And uh, so they, they do some of those consultations, although COVID has impacted that a little bit. Now they're not offering that until it's safe to go inside people's homes. Yeah. But we also are starting like to talk about doing video consultations. So if someone can show us their toilet inside, you know, their leaking toilet inside their house on a video, and we can kind of give them suggestions of what, what to do. So that's one. Uh, one thing, and that's a that's a really valuable thing. I mean, it's it's really nice for water customers to have a resource to help them out, you know, instead of doing an online search and not being able to figure out exactly what's going on in the house. So, yeah, having that that human contact piece, I think, is is important. You can Google all day, but sometimes you just need a person to come and say. Let's go in and look at your toilet, you know, <laughs> yeah. to the bottom of this. Spend a week Googling and, and still have that leak. So that's, that's good. It's nice that you're, you're leveraging third parties to, to do that program too. That's, that's good. Yeah. And a lot of it right now is our, our staff doing it just so, I mean, we, you know, we get some calls about high water use and people have no idea where, where to start to look for, for it. So that's it. That's a great resource. And then we were offering um, toilet replacement programs for our Thornton Cares residents who are income qualified. And um, that that was a great one, too. They'd get up to two free toilets. So so those are you know some of our residential indoor programs. Uh, we also do commercial audits and um, work with the auditing the city too, you know, not just water use auditing. So, yeah. um, and then the outdoor programs, we have, we provide sprinkler system consultations, which resource central is still able to do during COVID. So uh, that's, that's been, we've been doing that since like 2005. It's uh, a great one-on-one -on -one education opportunity plus uh, you know, suggestions on how to improve the efficiency of the sprinkler system, which is where a lot of water use or water waste occurs. So, yeah, I think uh, I've seen that too with with systems that customers are always amazed how much <clears throat> we would always see 
people programming them wrong so it was turning on zones multiple times or the mm -hmm. heads are set wrong or whatever but it's always amazing how much water can be wasted if you're if you don't see on top of it which a lot of people don't because they set them to go off at night they're in bed and they they hope everything's going all right out there i think <laughs> right set yeah. it and forget it that's right it. <laughs> and then we have this uh, newer program that's called h2 overhaul which is our landscape transformation resources and and um, programs that go along with making your yard or lands you know large landscape more water efficient so um, and that's that's where we see you know in the summer obviously that's where we see a lot of water use going so uh, we have a water wise landscape rebate that's two dollars per square foot for up to a thousand square feet right now we have been we increased that because it's you know that's a that's a tough one to to uh, for customers to grasp sometimes it's like oh it's just overwhelming all the stuff I have to do to take out my lawn and um, and decide what kind of garden I want yeah. what kind of water wise garden I want <clears throat> and then there's also a turf removal program that Resource Central's offer offering right now and so we're participating in that and they so that really that's the hardest step removing the turf one of the hardest steps anyway yeah and uh, so that that really removes a barrier there for people to have that service so that's nice. great yeah, that's good. So you, do you have uh, information available or guides on what, what folks can plant instead of instead of Kentucky bluegrass all the time? Yeah, we've got lots of guides. We kind of refer to Plant Select for plant, you know, plant lists. PlantSelect.org is uh, Denver Botanical Garden plus um, CSU oh. program. And so they they test plants that do well in our climate so um, they they put out a new you know some new plants every year and they have a great website with even some designs they for gardens that's a great resource and we also have booklets for each phase of if you are gonna if you're thinking about transitioning your yard from bluegrass to something more water wise we every step of the way we have a booklet for that and yeah. and we have them in paper form, which we haven't been mailing out because of COVID, but but also downloadable from ThorntonWater.com. So good. So that uh, website, people can Google Plant Select and uh, and find compatible mm -hmm. plants there. That's good. That'll be it's a good time. Everyone's putting their garden and their lawn to bed for the winter and thinking mm -hmm. about what they want to do next year. So you got a, a few months to get it all planned out now before you. You get it going in the spring. That's good. Yeah, there's a lot of people were doing that this year because they they were home, so they had time. Yeah. To to plant some plants. Yeah. Well, Laura, you mentioned the uh, toilet technology, which is a uh, uh, one area. But is there? Do you see any other technology advances or changes in technology that that contribute to water conservation, either at the customer level or the utility level? Yeah, I mean, at both levels, irrigation controller technology is a big, big improvement. You know, I've been in this business for a while, and it's been great to see the 
technology that's become available with irrigation control. And of course, the technology is only one part of the equation. Behavior and management of irrigation <laughs> is the other yeah. part of the equation, which is part of our outreach program too. But, um, you know, you can control sprinklers from your smartphone now, which 10 years ago you can do. And then uh, weather-based irrigation controller technology has improved over the years using soil moist moisture sensors. And we're, we're doing that at the city of Thornton too, is uh, converting some of our uh, parks irrigation systems to soil moisture based, which is supposed to be more efficient, you know, if it's dialed in correctly. Yeah. I can tell there's been a lot of advancements indoors just from being on the wastewater side. We used to figure like, you know, 125 gallons per person coming back through the wastewater plant and that mm. went down to 85 and now it's you know, even lower than that in some places. So it's, you know, fixtures and sinks and, and, you know, washers use about a cup of water. It seems like now to wash a whole load of clothes and mm -hmm. I don't know how they do it, but it's, uh, there's been a lot of advancements in saving water, even auto shutoffs and stuff like that. So I always wonder where the, where the limit is on all that. You think we've hit the limit? No, 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 no way. Pretty soon we're going to be dry cleaning our clothes at home. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> it's enough for me just to get them to the washer. <laughs> All right. I'd like to do the mid-show segment now. Which uh, is not, well, it is kind of related to water conservation uh, in a roundabout way. But this is an article. It's in the news today, again, for mid-show segment. And the news is NASA's Sophia discovers water on sunlit surface of the moon. So this is recent. This is uh, from October 26th of uh, 2020. And this is a NASA, NASA press release. I'll just read it here. Uh, NASA's Stratospheric Observatory for Infrared Astronomy, which is what Sophia stands for, has confirmed for the first time water on the sunlit surface of the moon. This discovery indicates that water may be distributed across the lunar surface and not limited to cold, shadowed places. Uh, Sophia has detected water molecules in Clavius Crater, one of the largest craters visible from Earth. Previous observations of the moon's surface detected some form of hydrogen, but were unable to distinguish between water and its close chemical relative hydroxyl, which is OH instead of H2O. So they didn't know whether it was water or, uh, or drain cleaner, I guess. But we had indications that H2O, the familiar water we know, might be present on the sunlit side of the moon, said Paul Hertz, director of astrophysics division in the science mission directorate at NASA headquarters. Uh, as a comparison, the Sahara Desert has 100 times the amount of water than what Sophia detected in the lunar soil. Despite the small amounts, the discovery raises new questions about how water is created and how it persists on the harsh, airless lunar surface. Uh, water is a precious resource in deep space and a key ingredient of life as we know it. Whether the water Sophia found is easily accessible for use as a resource remains to be determined. Uh, the agency is eager to learn all it can about the presence of water on the moon in advance of sending the first woman and next man to the lunar surface in 2024 
and establishing a sustainable human presence there by the end of the decade. So that was that, that kind of freaked me out. We're going to the moon and we're going to live there, I guess, uh, <laughs> starting in 2024. But yeah, this, this water, uh, water thing is interesting. It, it's water so important. We hear about it all the time on earth, but it, it's important everywhere throughout the, throughout the galaxy, I guess. Water is key. What are your thoughts on, uh, on the article, Laura? You got any, any insights into the moon water? What are they going to do with the wastewater is what I want to know. <laughs> They're going <laughs> to clean it up and drink it again. <laughs> All right. Let's get into more conservation chat here. Let's talk outreach. I know a lot of conservation, like you said, there's technology piece and then there's the the getting people to do it and understand the need to do it. How do you educate people? How do you educate homeowners and, and uh, customers on, on the need for conservation and how to conserve water? Well, we have a, kind of a social marketing strategy. Uh, we work with a consultant who specializes in that. And uh, social marketing is kind of focused on behavior change. So messaging that would inspire <laughs> people that maybe change their behavior a little bit like like changing their their lawn to more water wise yard so what we do is uh, also kind of an important part of the education program is to measure the effectiveness so we want to make sure that customers have a high awareness of programs we can demonstrate some water savings related to our outreach too so those are those are some of the things that we look at so having a good strategy and measurable results some of the things that we do as part of that we have broad reach kind of things that we do just for awareness building and then then some more focused things so i'll go through a little bit of that okay um so, you know, some of it, social media, obviously, you can't ignore social media now. So I wish I could, especially <laughs> during this election. With this election not decided, I really wish I could. I know, I know. Um, but, but that's, you know, very effective, and you can measure results with social media, too. With, yeah. with, um, we provide educational materials. We do mailers. We do... <laughs> do utility bill inserts because they're really economical, bus shelter ads, trash truck signs on our trash trucks for, you know, those are kind of the awareness in trying to get people, funnel people to thorntonwater.com where they can find out more about our programs. We have to figure out who our audience is and how to speak to them. And that's, that's part of the strategy also. So what resonates with them and what may, grabs their attention. We can offer programs, but without having outreach like that, they're not. People aren't going to know about it because we know about it. We think everybody knows about it, but <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't pay attention to water as much as we would like them to. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> it's the curse of knowledge. The more you know about something, the more you assume everybody else knows that same amount. And right. <laughs> a lot of times they don't. Well, I know you guys do. Uh, I know you guys get to the, you get to the kids, you know, with the information and to change their, their parents' attitudes, maybe at home through, through your water festival. Are you guys still, uh, still hosting that water festival? Probably not this year, but can you talk to us a little bit more about that effort? Yeah, we've been, 
offering a youth water festival for many years. I worked with Westminster, North Glen to get one going. We know, you know, Greeley's been doing it for a long time and other water providers um, too. And it's, it is a, a great, great way to reach kids. It's a one day field trip that really gets their attention and they get presentations from water professionals all around uh, the state and sometimes out of state and <laughs> and they uh, you know it's very memorable we do surveys for teachers af after that too to just measure the effectiveness and they we get great reviews on that so yeah unfortunately we couldn't offer it this year and it doesn't look like we're going to be able to offer it next year but after that yeah we're hoping to pick it back up about a thousand kids from North Glen, Westminster, and Thornton go to this youth water festival, and it's a it's a big undertaking to plan. We you know we start planning a year and a head ahead. So yeah. once the once one's over, the next one's being planned. Yeah, it sounds like uh, literally hurting a thousand children. I can see where <laughs> yeah, I see where you need some planning. You need some military type planning for that effort. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: that with uh, you've worked with the kids, as well as probably the parents or the grown-ups in other areas. Which ones are the, which ones are easier to convince or to to educate? <laughs> probably the kids. Yeah. Yeah, just because they're not set in their ways yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're involved in the the Colorado WaterWise group. Can you take us through a little bit of what that group is and and what they do? Sure. Yeah. Colorado WaterWise is a great resource for water utilities, nonprofits, and uh, other organizations throughout the state who want to learn more about water efficiency, water conservation. Um, we're kind of more focused on urban water efficiency, and we provide networking events and educational events like Lunch and Learns, annual uh, event for people to come together, network, and hear presentations from the experts. I've been involved with that for many years now, and uh, I'm on the board, and it's a great organization. You know, we're really trying to advance water efficiency in the state. Yeah, I know um, they, they have a lot of a lot of great materials on, on conservation. Yeah, we provide a communications toolkit with all campaign materials for... This is Colorado Water, Live Like You Love It. And our website is lovecoloradowater.org. And there's a team of people that sort of come up with new materials every year. But we, we right now we have fact sheets. You, you know, if you uh, become a partner for Live Like You Love It, it's, it's kind of designed for Colorado WaterWise members or partners that that really need uh, help with their outreach, you know, because um, there's the big utilities, big water providers may have their own kind of communications strategy, but it, but the smaller utilities, you know, people are stretched thin. They don't don't have time to do outreach and communication yeah. programs. So, so this is a nice toolkit for that. It's a you know, professionally designed from a communications strategist. We've got social media materials, which is, you know, more and more popular now. And, of course, the logo and 
customizable materials like fact sheets. You, you, co you can co-brand it with your logo. Some of the ones that stand out in my mind, you know, about water rates. Now, water rates are going up, so people are um, need more education about what's in a water rate. And so we have a fact sheet about that, you know, what, yeah. what goes into a water rate. And that's a real popular one. So we're, and we're always open to ideas for, from our partners or uh, members of what kind of materials they're looking for. And we, we try, try to react to that and create those materials. Nice. Well, good. Yeah, let me ask you this, because this is a question I used to get a lot, uh, speaking of rate increases. So is you're raising our rates, but then you're asking us to, to cut back on water. So how do those two... How can you say cut back on water, but then still raise our rates? What is uh, How do you answer that one? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'll a put good you on one. the spot here. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one, but efficiency is obviously a good business model. So creating that efficiency delays expensive upgrades to the water treatment plant yeah. and, and wastewater treatment plant. So... It, it just makes sense and it's not necessarily related to uh, why your water rate is being increased. It's, it could be because, you know, we have 50-year-old infrastructure pipes that need to be replaced or we need to build a new water treatment plant or because it's too old or, you know, that type of thing. So it's, it is a, a big educational opportunity let's put it and and thornton is actually looking at that now we're just we're going to be focusing our some of our education less on our programs but more on what investments we're making to improve our infrastructure and um, things that we've been doing all along too that that people aren't aware of so yeah i think that's i think you hit it on the head i think people you know equate bill with how much I used and they forget all the other stuff that's wrapped into that bill, the infrastructure, the, the operators operating the system, you know, they forget mm -hmm. that. And it's, you know, they just equate how much I used with what I get billed, you know? So yeah, educating them on, there's so much more that goes into it, I think is, is important. That was a good answer. I wish I would have known that a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Laura. Well, is there any, uh, anything I didn't ask you? that you want to talk about or that you uh, want to share with our listeners? I think we were going to talk a little bit about what the cities are doing for yeah. water efficiency. I could just talk a little bit about that. That'd um, be great. So one, one thing that I see larger, large water providers doing and Thornton is undertaking soon is transitioning to advanced metering infrastructure, which sounds like a, <laughs> a big term, but it's basically changing our, we read, meters once a month and this will be you know more real-time readings so we can catch leaks much quicker so you know it's about 2100 acre feet a year that going to this kind of technology will help uh, help with and also just provide the customers with real-time information on their water use so that they can have more control over their water bills that's that's one thing. Of course, smart growth is a big topic and looking at land use. How do we, you know, for each different, how do we classify each different land use for future growth and uh, reduce the water demand for that type of land use? 
uh, drought management plans, water efficiency plans, those, those type of things are very important. And like I said before, irrigation controllers that are weather-based uh, to, to improve the efficiency of irrigation. And one of the things Thornton's doing now is going to be um, removing some of the passive turf areas. We've got a lot of parks in Thornton and people love them. Yeah, but there's some areas that they're not running around in bare feet in, and they don't they don't need the total area to be bluegrass and high water demand turf. So, um, converting some of those areas to something more climate appropriate is yeah. something we're doing. I think that's good. I think I've seen that more and more as far as looking at where do we need the grass. I mean, I think the the approach before was just put grass everywhere and people will use it where they want, you know, but now it's what do people do here and do we need grass and can we, you know, use something else that makes more sense. So glad there's more thought going into that kind of thing and it results in savings. I think that advanced metering infrastructure is, is interesting too. I always, and from what I've seen it, you know, and tell me if I'm, if I'm right, I mean, a lot of utilities are, are doing it to detect leaks. I think the next step is getting it out to the customers, like you say, where they could look on their phone and say, I've, you know, I've used this or, you know, instantly check for leaks and, and that type of thing. They're used to, I mean, you can get on your phone, look how many minutes of you've used of your phone plan, or you can check your, your cable usage, you know, how many Netflix movies you've watched. So <laughs> I think people are, people are saying, well, how come I can't, how come I can't look and see, you know, if my water's running right now? Yeah, it's been a dream of mine for yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it sounds like it's happening. Sounds like <laughs> it's beginning to happen, so that's good. And it sounds like Thornton's doing a lot as far as from a, a city perspective to reduce their own usage. I think that's important. We, you know, a lot of cities, you know, tell ratepayers conserve, conserve, and then they drive by the park that's shooting water in the middle of the street, and that's always kind of a you know, mixed message. So it's good that Thornton is practicing what they preach there. Yeah, well, we're working towards it. You yeah, know, we're still going to have errant spring sprinklers sometimes. Yeah, but. that was a bad example because people <laughs> people get worked up, and yeah, so you're going to have yeah. those. But yeah, you you get what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, are you uh, are you ready and willing and prepared for the end of show quiz, Laura? I'm ready. All right. Well, I mentioned the, uh, this is a hard one today. I reread it and I was like, wow, these are hard, but I, I think you'll do well. This is <laughs> with the election going on as we speak, it probably won't be going on. It'll hopefully be over by the time this is posted. But uh, anyway, this is an election quiz, but it doesn't involve politics. So don't worry. Okay. All right. <laughs> Number one, Democrat or Republican. There's no denying that Cory Gardner has great hair. If he wanted to get it trimmed up in his hometown of Yuma, Colorado, which of these hair salons could he go to? A, the Hairport. B, the Cutting Hut, K-U-T-T-I-N, Cutting Hut. C, the main event. Main is M-A-N-E, which is very clever. The main <laughs> event. And D... Love is in the hair. Which one would uh, Corey, could Corey Gardner go to if he was in Yuma to get a quick 
get a quick trim. I'd say the main event. Oh, I like that one. That is, is that one it? I used to like from my hometown, Alamosa. It's actually the cut and hut. I'm sorry. Oh. So it was a good answer. That was a hard one. Where's the buzzer? Well, I just, I just have a bell if you get it right, but I don't have a buzzer. I don't. I like to stay positive. I like to have reinforced, <laughs> reinforcing positive messages, Laura. I'm not here to tear guests down. Okay. I'm here to build you up. Okay. But yeah, that is one of my favorite things is uh, small town hair salon names. I like when they get, I like when they get creative. There's no limit to their creativity on, uh, right. on clever puns and uh, word plays with hair <laughs> salons. All right. We'll get to number two. John Hickenlooper. Do you drink beer, Laura? I should start out with that. Yes. Okay, you might be good at this. John Hickenlooper founded the Wincoop Brewery. Which of these beers is currently on tap at the Wincoop? I say Win. How do you say that? Wincoop or Winecoop? I say Wincoop, but yeah, I say Wincoop. Um, some too. people say Winecoop. <laughs> yeah, some people will correct me and they'll be like, "Wine, it's Winecoop." Anyway, is it A? Which one of these is currently on tap at the at the Winecoop? I'll, I'll change it for people. Uh, A, move your car porter, B, tears of our enemies, Scottish ale, or C, it's a quitcher bitchin, Q-U-I-C-H-E-R space B-I-C-H-E-N, golden strong ale. So is it move your car porter, tears of our enemies, or quitcher bitchin? Hmm, I haven't been there, but I'm going to go with the first one, move your car porter. That is correct. Woo! Yeah. Move your car, Porter, is the correct answer. All right, you're, you're one for two. This, this could put you uh, in the winning column here. Number three, Amendment 77 allows gambling towns to decide what games to offer. Uh, which gambling table game has not been legal in Colorado gambling towns? A, Blackjack, B, Poker, C, Baccarat. Oh, I'm very bad at gambling questions. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't well, know that, is, that is unfortunate for this quiz then. <laughs> can I call someone to ask what Baccarat is? Yeah, yeah, you can call a friend. <laughs> we got time. <laughs> oh, Baccarat. Back, that is correct. Oh. Baccarat is correct. I don't even know what it is. I, I know it has like a little paddle. It's a card game and it has a paddle involved. I don't, I'm gonna have to look into it. That's your mm. homework. Look into Baccarat. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I should go play it. Yeah. It'll probably be up there next time. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks Laura for being on the show today. I appreciate you sharing your insights and some of the, uh, the strategies that, that Thornton undertakes and some of the work that you do to, to uh, conserve water and, and get people to, to save water and in turn save money and, and help the environment. So thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Blair. Thanks for doing this podcast. I think it's super fun. You bet. And to our <laughs> listeners, thanks for listening. This is, like I said, uh, 11 episodes in and we're getting good, uh, good listenership, I guess is the word and, and having a lot of fun doing it. So if you have ideas for the show, you can always send those to me at streamingwater at mail.com. If you like the show, I ask that you tell one friend about it and maybe a friend or a colleague so they can they can check it out and see if they would like to start listening. And also if you are 
so inclined, we ask that you give us a, a rating, give the show a rating on Apple Podcast or whatever podcast player you're listening on. So that's it for today. Thanks again, Laura, and we will see you next time on the Streaming Water Podcast. Mm-hmm.